the poverty rate among children doubled uh, in one year, which is a tremendously large increase. I don't think we've ever seen that uh, degree of increase before in just one year. And as you said in your introduction, that's really because a lot of the programs that were implemented during COVID, which made such an impact on their income, were uh, ceased to exist. And so as a result, their poverty rate skyrocketed. And you would think that maybe we have learned something from the pandemic, but people, I guess, were so ready to move on afterwards that a lot of the policies uh, were forgotten about as well. Was that the case? Well, I think that is part of the case. I think it's also that it's pretty expensive. We have a lot of poor children in this country, so to move the needle on poverty just takes a lot of money. Um, And I think part of what happened was that people lost appetites for spending that much money on the kinds of poverty programs that really made a difference in children's lives. What about the elderly? How did they uh, make do here after the pandemic? So they were affected, but not to the same degree that uh, children were. And the reason is because the policies that protect the elderly from poverty are pretty stable and weren't as sensitive to the COVID policies that were implemented during COVID. So they really rely on Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. And those programs were sort of tweaked, but weren't uh, tweaked to the same extent that the other programs that really helped kids. So as a group, they fared relatively better than kids did during the pandemic. And that's interesting to know. Um, and certainly cost of living increases went up as well. Uh, do you sense that anything's going to be done to help children's programs and try to um, restore things to where it will help them in the long run? Uh, in a word, no. Um, so if you look at child poverty rates over time, the low poverty rates that we had during COVID for children were really a blip. Um, we tend to have fairly high poverty rates because we've sort of made the policy decisions that let we, us have as a country have high poverty rates for kids. So uh, absent some sort of cataclysmic event, which is sort of what COVID was, I don't see us having sort of the appetite for addressing child poverty the way we did during those few years. And we're talking with... Uh, Christina Gibson Davis here, who researches families and economic inequality uh, for Duke University. And it seems like the gap is widening. Is that going to lead to other problems like crime as well, potentially? Sure. So inequality, which is you know different than, than poverty, has all kinds of problems. Um, and it, it has it really sort of tears away at the fabric of society. Crime could be one thing, but we also have Um, We develop parallel institutions when we have really high levels of inequality. So we have kids uh, from one kind of background going to one kind of school and kids from another background going to another kind of school. We we develop parallel healthcare systems. So inequality can really be bad sort of for society as a whole, not just for individual children. Yeah. And that's going to make way for a lot of different things. Uh, Kids, as you mentioned, will wind up going to charter schools and others will just go to public high schools and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Unfortunately, that's going to lead most likely to a growing divide in many different respects. Yeah, and that's really the, the, the chief hallmark of society today is these really vast economic divides that we have. We really stand out in regards to when you compare us to other Western, Western countries and the levels of inequality that we have. Um, there are upsides and downsides to that, but certainly it means that you have very different experiences for children who could be living next door to each other, but nevertheless have very different economic contexts. Um. Can families, uh, are, are families aggressive enough? Or are they seeking out ways to help their own children in a lot of respects um, in trying to figure out exactly 
um, how to rebound after the situation with the pandemic? I think they absolutely are, but the problem is, is that when those government supports are taken away, they are replaced by the private sector, and the private sector just isn't equipped to do it on the same level that the government can, right? Because simply because the private sector is more disorganized and smaller, um, and so I think families absolutely are trying to do what they can to survive economically. I work at a food shelter uh, or a food bank, and we see lines that are increasing every week. So parents absolutely want to provide for their children, but it can be really difficult in today's climate. Now, at that food bank, you mentioned you worked there. I mean, has uh, you mentioned it's grown here? Has was it? How was it during the pandemic? Obviously, people couldn't get out as much, but uh, you mentioned it's growing now. So, how was it, say, compared during the pandemic? Right. So it started in response to the pandemic, but I think what is interesting to us is even though the pandemic is you know over that it continues to grow even after the pandemic has ended. And this was before. um, And so we noticed that when these government supports went away, that the the number of people needing the food bank really increased. And that's not only families with children, but that also includes people from all walks of life. Well, we certainly hope for better numbers here from the poverty, uh, from the census regarding the poverty rate. As we mentioned, the cost of living increases and end of federal aid from the pandemic boosted the poverty rate to 12.4% last year, up from 7.8% in 2021. Great analysis here from Duke University Professor Christina Gibson-Davis, and we thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.